So last week, my family and I were in a living room in Acton, and we were watching the live stream. So we were nine people in a living room listening to my best friend Kelly bring the Word of God to you and uh, hearing you respond. And uh, it was just a great, great time for us to still be with you even though we were away from you. So this morning we start a new series in Philippians. Please turn to the book of Philippians. And I'm very, very excited about this series. The series is titled All In. And I have teased the series a little bit with the understanding that that subtext of all in is nothing I'd ever conceived of before when it came to the book of Philippians. It has never crossed my path, but as I started reading and started studying more and more in depth, it became very, very apparent. Let's start with the key thought. This is going to be our key thought over the next eight to ten weeks. And let me put it up on to the screen. Philippians 2.2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full in full accord, and of one mind. This is where we are going to pitch our tent. This is where we are going to relax. This is where we're going to live. The main thrust of what we want to see happen within our church body, within all of those who are here gathered, whether you've been here for years or whether you're brand new, is that we gather in, in one mind, completely all in with this understanding of what Paul compels to the church at Philippi. He also compels to us this morning. Complete my joy. That is my prayer as well. My joy will be complete if our congregation at Concord Bible Church will be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, full agreement. And do you find it interesting that he repeats it again? Having one mind. Having one mind. There's a tremendous challenge in all of this. You will be challenged. I will be challenged in this series. I anticipate us hearing things that are going to be uncomfortable, which is a, a little bit of an oxymoron. It's kind of like saying the Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl, right? It's a little bit of an oxymoron that we take the number one book in the entire New Testament and say that, that the book of encouragement is going to punch us in the gut. But it's going to. I promise you, because in my study, it has punched me in the gut. In a great way. Last night we were here late, and I watched this happen. My daughter was working on something, and my wife was passing her, and we were getting a little slappy here on the construction zone about 10 o'clock, and I literally mean slappy. So my wife went like this to just whack Gentry in the gut to see if she could take it, and Gentry, uh, Gentry evaded, yes, she evaded, 
And then she thought she would reciprocate on me as I was following my wife. And she just came in and I just tightened this stone hard, rock rippled zone here. And she went to the hospital with a broken hand. No, no. But it will feel like that. You think you're coming in, you're going to get the high five, and it's like encouragement, edification. Bam! Oh, wow. So we're, we're going to be all in. And I say that to kind of predicate where we're going and where will we be. How many of you love wasting time? Raise your hands. You don't. I don't either. So can we all agree that by November, the second Sunday in November, we will be a changed people because of this preaching? Okay, great. I'm going to sit down now. Now that I got a good amen out of you, I'm done. The key thought for this series is right in front of you. Let's dive in this morning. You have sermon notes, so I encourage you, open them up and start writing things down. I'm going to read to you the passage this morning. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And I will try to follow suit with my friend Kelly last week. He (laughs) caught himself leaving you like a whole phrase behind as he tried to click through. So uh, I will do my best. And while I have it here, in order to do my best, I'm just going to read it off the screen with you. You ready? Philippians 1, 1 through 2. Paul and who? Timothy. Servants of who? To all the what? In who? Who are where? With the what? Wow. Have you ever really gotten frustrated because somebody can't just tighten it up a little bit when they're talking to you? (laughs) I get it all the time. My wife's laughing really, like, precipitously right down here. Yes, I'm often told, land the plane, land the plane. (laughs) Paul is being... (laughs) What is the ruckus over here from my right? (laughs) Paul is being demonstrative. You think it's just an intro. It's not. Have you ever felt left out? Have you ever felt like the message is to the other person? What's it say? To all the saints. And then he comes in as a point of emphasis. And the overseers and the deacons. Your church leadership. Your church leadership better pay especially tight attention to what I'm going to say. Now you may think that's an admonishment. It's not. It's not. And I encourage you as we move through this series, measure your church leadership and see if your church leadership would receive the same accolades from Paul. Because he takes time to emphasize. He's already covered all the saints, has he not? He has. And then he makes a point of emphasis. And the overseers, which that word presbyteros means elder as well, in the sense of our elders and our deacons. Deacons always feel like they're, they're you know, kind of subgroup, right? Like, you know, we just take care of this or that. We just move things around. You know, we de- no, deacons, you are spiritual leaders. Deaconesses, you are spiritual leaders. It's right there. We've already learned something for the second time already. I should just shut it down. 
and sit and let's sing. But there's more Scripture. Starting in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all... I did it myself. For you are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the Gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So let's take this and break it down. Philippi, if you were here for our study in Acts, Paul had an agenda. He had an agenda up in, in Eastern Europe area and, and Asia Minor, and this is where he wanted to camp out. This is where he wanted to be and invest. And yet the Holy Spirit gave Paul a vision. The vision of the Macedonian man, and he says, you're going to expand. I'm going to move you over into the area of Greece, and you are going to take my message to the people of Greece. It was not easy when they reached Philippi. When they got there, it was a major Roman province. And on the wall of the city gate, it said, no solicitation. You could end up in a Roman prison if you tried to go in and proselyte. So what happened? As a matter of fact, Philippi was so destitute of any sense of Jehovah, God, a Jewish community, there weren't enough Jews even to hold a synagogue. So Paul had no uh, avenue whereby he would regularly approach taking his message. So he had to kind of make it up on the fly. Which is exactly what God was asking him to do. And so this is the story where he went down to the river and he met Lydia. And there were converts that happened. And then they were hosting Lydia's house. And, and then they got thrown in jail again. And on and on it goes. This was the establishment of the church at Philippi. Roman province. Very cosmopolitan. You can see uh, some pictures of the ruins there. You can see where it is located on the map. And what we want to do this morning is see how do we compare to the church at Philippi. What's fascinating about this letter is as much as you will hear Paul's joy, we've already heard multiple times in this passage, in the opener of his letter to this church, about his joy, and you'll see why. Where is Paul when he wrote this letter? He's in a Roman prison. And it's years upon years after he had gone through Philippi initially and helped establish that church. 
And so you will see what happened. As a matter of fact, I'll just let you know what happened. Philippi, according to Paul, was the only church that supported him while he was in prison. That doesn't mean that it, it was the only church that sent a messenger or had contact with them. It is simply that they sent remuneration. They sent a financial gift. <coughs> Excuse me. They sent support. And this letter is a response to that support. And you'll hear it here in the first chapter. How he speaks of how they all contributed. And how they sent Epaphroditus, their own uh, beloved member of their church, as a messenger with this gift. And how encouraged Paul was. This morning I stand before you as your pastor who is equally encouraged and excited. That's just going to keep us alive this morning, folks. Just stay with it. And again, if anybody wants to contribute $400 to a new microphone, the giving box is right back there on your way out. Sound a little bit like radio voice right there. On your way out. It's my joy this morning just to talk about how with our build program, our build campaign, I get to share in the same emphasis of glory that Paul is sharing. The same joy that Paul is sharing with the Philippians. You will see later on, right after my message, what has happened on our campus as a response of being all in. Let's get into it this morning. All-in partnerships are rewarding partnerships. Philippians 1, 1 through 1-5. We're going to tackle the first five verses with this. And let me ask you, you have a question there. How many times does the word all appear in chapter 1? Twelve times in 11 verses. Can you see why we're taking this point of emphasis? Now what's interesting is this will be your homework. Because the word all in the Greek... <coughs> Excuse me. The word all in Greek is the word paz. And it means everything. It means all encompassing. It means, well, it means all. It means wholeness, fulfillment, completeness. Now, why is that important for you? Usually I don't give you Greek lessons because nobody here speaks in Greek. But this is one of the few moments that I'm going to talk about this on this level because I'm giving you homework. I want you to take these first 11 verses this week and I want you to find why it appears 12 times in 11 verses because you will not see the English word all 12 times. I think you'll see it nine times. Maybe 10. But I want you to understand what that Greek word, pause, means completeness, wholeness, everything. It is used in all of those forms. Then I want you to see how the spirit of what Paul is trying to share with those he, he loves, how it just overwhelms his opening message. How he speaks to a fulfilling, to a commitment, to a completeness. Let's look at the next part. Paul is compelled to respond in thanksgiving to all at Philippi. 
He starts out very simply, verse 3, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. It is my privilege to let you know, to share with you, that even last week as my family and I were away from you, it was just a great joy. It was a great joy for me to have my best friend come preach to you even though half of you left the state. It was a great joy because I continually thank God for all of you. All of you. This is where Paul's heart is. So he starts with thanksgiving. When you are all in, it starts with thanks. It shapes your level of commitment. And we'll finish right before thanksgiving hopefully, God willing, with this series. But you will hear the word thankfulness, thanks, thanksgiving, over and over and over in the book of Philippians. It starts with thankfulness, thankfulness is in the middle, and thankfulness is at the end. Is this the characteristic of God and God's people? Absolutely. So here's one of the first high fives to your Solar flex. Is it solar flex, solar plex? Your solar system? I, I, I'm not sure, but you get what I'm saying. To your midsection, are you a person of thanksgiving? Paul was. And it shaped his joy. It helped his commitment. He was thankful in prayer. You see this? In verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all what? Remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Paul was continually in prayer for those he cared about, who he was all in with, who he worshipped with. We often struggle with the idea of prayer in our own spiritual walk. Today you're going to hear some great uh, instruction, help, understanding how we can implement a deeper prayer life. Start with thanksgiving in your prayer and understand that Paul in his prayers that he's talking about now is praying for this church. And in his prayers, he is remembering those whom he loves, those who he sees God working through, those who are committed together in relationship and walk with the Lord. Is that how we pray? I'm getting out ahead of myself. We'll finish with that today. He's thankful in remembrance. When you are all in, in a relationship, maybe it's a working relationship, maybe it was a former relationship, maybe it was an acquaintance, maybe it was a former church, maybe it's this church, I want you to piece that together and I want you to ask yourself, when you remember those moments, can you speak like Paul is speaking and say, I'm thankful? Can you and I do that? Now here comes the shot to your ABS. Ready? Those who are you are not around this morning or even those who are sitting next to you, when they remember you, when they go home tonight or this afternoon, don't stay all night here. <laughs> After the agape feast, 
when you go home, will there be a fond remembrance of you? See, it's easy for us to think about others and, and measure if I have a great and wonderful and warm, fuzzy remembrance of others. But the question is, if we're all in, like Paul's talking about, we have to ask ourselves, do others have a fond remembrance of me? And how can that happen? How can you make that happen? This past week, I have great memories of the people that I got to work side by side with here on the project that we're doing. And there's going to be even better memories. I already have one of watching Declan playing basketball in a children's ministry room. And he's so excited. And he's not just going to be excited about basketball. He's going to be excited about the stories he's hearing today and the things he's learning. Because there's no limitations, but it's a warm and open learning space for he and his classmates. We've created a space for our children to be all in and want to be here. And they will remember you know, ultimately, the goal for us on Sundays is that you walk out of here remembering Christ, not the pink colors. You walk out of here remembering Christ and the engagement that you have with Christ. He was thankful for his partnership with those at Philippi. He's thankful for his partnership at all times. I hear over and over, and my wife and I were blessed to go visit back with a college group, church college group that we met at. We had a, I don't know, 40th, 50th reunion. I don't know what, you know, it was one of those things. And that just went right by everybody. Do you guys really think I'm 72? <laughs> Brian, could you make this thing pop again? Because they're falling asleep. It'd be helpful. We had a wonderful time remembering those partnerships. And the beauty of that college group is a lot of partnerships happened for life. But those partnerships revolved around Christ. That's truly the glue that brought us together. And that's truly the glue that brought us back together 30 years later. Not 50, not 60. <laughs> 30 years later. It's my hope and prayer that your partnerships here have that same element of love and thankfulness. It is my prayer that your partnership with your children is one that they remember you with thankfulness as parents. My prayer for you is that in your marriages, right now where you sit, You're thankful. And if you're not, my question to you is, are you going to be lazy and do nothing about it? Or are you going to say enough is enough and today I am going to go all in in that partnership so that there is a fond remembrance of me by my partner. Bam! Right to the ABS. Right? 
you have permission to ask my wife tomorrow if there was any difference from yesterday. You know what, yesterday was a pretty good day, I just got to say. So, you know, I might need to go in reverse and just really stink it up tomorrow. No, she says no. Second point today, all-in statements, response to partnership. Paul was bold. Paul was bold in this section. He made huge demonstrative statements, things that we don't particularly appreciate or like. He was confident and bold. Verses 6-7, through seven. let's go back and look at it. He says, I am sure. You know, them's fighting words, right? You should have heard all the great dialogue that was happening during the build this week. <laughs> about measurements, paint colors, uh, are we clicking in the floor the right way? Should it go this way? Should it go that way? All of that. I'm sure of this. If somebody had come in to our group, our KIP, our all-in posse of builders, and had an attitude of, no, you have to do it this way, probably wouldn't have gone off really well. Yet this is what Paul is saying. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you hear it? I'm sure of this. Well, what is he sure of? That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Why is it he can be sure of this? Is he commenting on the fallibility and the messiness and the brokenness of who we are? No. The reason he can be sure is because God has said, when I start a work in you, I will be faithful to complete it. And if in all your brokenness and in all your failure, you tend to become wayward, you get distracted, you do this, I will bring you back around. And you can listen carefully. And you can hear the call of the shepherd and just come running and your little bell tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. I'm so happy as a sheep. Or you know, wham, right into the ABS comes the shepherd saying, get back in line. It's your choice. It's my choice. Which one do we want? Paul is saying he's sure of who Jesus is and what he will do in our lives. But that's not the last statement that he says. Jesus will complete his work in the church. In 2016, I shared with you the 2020 vision. And a lot of us, which I get, really? Really? You're asking us to do this? You're asking that to happen? I'm not. I'm not brave enough to ask us to do the things that we've done. But with all my heart, I believe God was asking us to do those things. The Lord was asking us to do those things. And the confirmation has happened over and over and over. And there is such a joy. Remember the completeness he t Paul talks about? Make my joy complete. I am confident of this. I am sure of this, that He has begun a good work. Brothers and sisters, today you will see a big fruition to what we talked about in 2016. And there's no way that happens without God's hand working with us.
Amen? Amen. Statements of defensiveness are statements of emphasis and clarity? What? You know, we have a, a great, great opportunity to reverse our, our cultural communication and thinking here today. We have a weapon. We have weaponized language so that when you are in a position where you are questioned about something that's happened and the truth and the veracity of it, apparently in our society, you are simply supposed to take that critique and not speak to it. Because if you do speak to it, you are being what? Defensive. And all I have to do, if I come to David and I say, David, the Chargers are winning the Super Bowl. And David says, maybe not, honorable pastor. <laughs> maybe not. And I come to him and I say, how can you say that? Your pastor is telling you the Chargers are going. And he goes, whoa, 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 slow down. You're getting very defensive. Well, but we have, a, we have a, an all-star court. You know, you're sounding defensive again. Well, do you know the Vegas picked us? I don't even want to hear about Vegas because that's Sin City and you're really sounding defensive. You know, you got issues. Paul wasn't having any of that. Because three times in a short span of time, he says what? I am sure of this. It is right for me to feel this way. And God is my witness. I'm going to get off my script here and I'm going to move through this really quickly. How many of you have corrected somebody when they say, God is my witness? And you've told them, we're not supposed to swear to God. By the way, this is like, this is like an uppercut right to the ABS. Because you didn't learn that out of Scripture. You learned an erroneous teaching out of Scripture, or you can just go ahead and confront Paul. If you're watching on the internet right now, it is completely silent, and there's a tension in the room that not even a knife can cut. <laughs> Although humor can cut through anything, can't it? You see the words, do you not? By the way, it's the first thing he led with? Yes or no? No. Are we looking at the Bible? Open your Bibles, okay. No. Is it the second thing he led with? You got it. Yeah, I'm going to send some more of that. No, thank you. It is his final statement. It is a point of emphasis. He keeps ramping it up and ramping it up. As God is my witness. Let me review it because I think we're struggling here a little bit. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Do you know that there are churches, there are organizations, and I will just call it out right now on the internet. You can come after me all you want. The Gospel Coalition. 
prides themselves on nonstop calling out brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who they deem erroneous and wrong, and they will go through songs that we sing, and if it says anything, I mean anything about how we feel, that song is wrong. Do you know why they do that? Because there are such abuses and offenses where we get so off track. So I'm I'm doing counterpoint here, right? We're just going to keep letting this click so that you guys give more. Okay? You're like, just stop. Take the thing off and, and use your own voice. I'm giving the counterpoint here. And the counterpoint is very simple, folks. There are so many abuses out there that we just interpret God based off of how we what? Feel. That's why the Gospel Coalition feels like they need to speak up. But here is the right focus. Look to the Scriptures and see what is in the Scriptures. And do not interpret the Scripture, God's Word, according to your own desire, your own proclivity, your own focus. Are your ABSs hurting yet? Wait, I thought Philippians was going to be a feel-good story. Not if we're going to be all in. I'm going to pick on every... No, I'm not going to pick on everybody. Are we committed and all in? I'm sorry, uh, let me go back to the... Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. You're going to get all of it. What are we spiritually sure of? Paul was spiritually sure that God was going to follow through with what he said he was going to do. He was also sure of what? How he felt about the Philippians. It is proper for us to share our love and joy towards those who are in the body of Christ, who serve, who love, who demonstrate goodness towards one another. Learn this from Paul's example as he writes from jail. Are we committed and all in? Are we committed and all in? Paul's talking about the fact that his God is my witness. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The affection of Christ Jesus is that affection that speaks to something greater than my passing whimsy. Right? My passing whimsy. What on earth is that? Is that a children's book you're quoting, Pastor Jeremy? Well, let me decipher it a little bit for you. Maybe saying it this way would be more appropriate. What have you done for me lately is how I will appreciate you. That's somewhat the world we live in. If we're going to remember our partnerships fondly, we have to remember all of it. Do we not? You'll see there are some things that Paul is speaking to to the church at Philippi, the very ones that he is lauding for their commitment, their love, their demonstration of faith. There are things that are challenging as well, but he chooses to remember the entire thing. You want to have a successful, all-in, committed relationship, 
Don't just focus on things in the moment and then turn and flip to the other direction the moment it doesn't go the way I feel like it should. Stay concrete and committed and be all in. And like Job, like Job said, shall we take the good and not the bad? If we remember our relationships in such a manner, then we're committed. Then we're all in. I'm going to take just a moment before the last point and ask this question. What areas as our church would you say we're all in? Children. Fantastic. You're going to see that demonstrated in a, in a very large way. And by the way, yes, John feels very safe in saying that because we kicked all the children out of here. <laughs> what else? Worship. Yeah. We're committed in worship. What do you mean by worship? You bring up a great point. 15, 15, the first of the month, first Sunday of the month, we have a 15-minute prayer time, 15 minutes after service. Now, I wasn't here last week. Well, the pastor was gone. If the pastor's gone, how could that happen? I have no idea, and here we are. This is the litmus test. It's, it's not a litmus. It's a spiritual test right here. It's an all-in test. Did it happen? then you are verified, not vilified. I like that. that that's a t-shirt. Okay, in what other ways are we all in or committed? Sunday school. Excellent, Sal. Sal, I really wanted to bring that up, the ABF. How many of you roll into uh, work at 1030? Sometimes, Marianne. <laughs> Sometimes. Yes. So why is it that we give ourselves permission when we have excellent teaching, which you and I need? Why is it we give ourselves permission, and I'll speak to the membership here, because it's a shameful plug for membership, which starts next week. A membership that says we're committed, we're all in, but we refuse to get here in enough time at nine in the morning for incredible teaching which has been prepared for weeks upon weeks so that you are equipped some are committed not all an area to grow in what else financial support, financial support amen brother amen. amen and amen and amen word of god we're committed to the word of god Missions. We're committed to missions. The youth. We have 20 youth right now. Let me just make this announcement from the, from the stage. And so Brad and Nancy and Fernando and Treya will be hearing this. Those four have been carrying our youth group for years on a volunteer level. Every single week. Every single week. Fernando and I were talking about it. Janine and I were talking about it last night. Gentry's weeping herself to sleep every night because she graduated. 
And the beauty of it is there's something very special and very unique about where this youth group is right now. They have a genuine love for Christ and a love for one another, and they're showing it. They are all in. But I would tell you our church is not all in when it comes to youth. By the way, there's probably 100 people here. There's 25 of those youth, so they represent at least a quarter of our church. At least a quarter of our church. And this church historically has been very supportive. But if we're going to really be there for those youth and help them before they're given the opportunity to leave the nest, move on, we need to grow. We need to be committed to growth. We need to be committed to financially growing so we can hire somebody. Until that time, I'm going to cut loose some other things. Because I have 20 souls that are aching for the Word of God. I picked on Angel last week. I won't pick on her this week. But Wednesday night, I was over here grinding my knees into the... uh, the new flooring and, and working with the team and um, I was asked could you come bring a word for us and so I came over to the youth group and they're playing a game and just these beautiful words by Angel we need to stop and hear the word of God we need to stop do you hear what I'm telling you from a teenager we need to stop playing games and hear the word of God So, I will tell you this, something on my plate is going to go. Until we get the money to hire a youth pastor, I'm committing to 25 people that we have over there that desperately need encouragement, teaching, and lifting up. So, let's see if we're all in, if we're all committed. Wow, I was going to do a 20-minute sermon. Should I stop? Well, I'm done with youth, so you may not like the next part. (laughs) Are we committed to edify with spiritual eyes? Are we committed to edify with spiritual eyes? What does that even mean? It's one of our core values to edify, to encourage, to lift up. What did I just do? I gave you an example. I edified one of our youth that's been faithful to be here three straight weeks on a Sunday morning, not because Angel's funny, not because uh, Angel's a good friend to my daughter, not because Angel works at a hideous pizza place and suffers through all of that ugly pizza. I won't name it because I could get sued. I edified with what? Spiritual eyes. I'm just going to keep letting it go. And we'll get a response. Okay? I edified with spiritual eyes. This is what Paul is doing. Do you see it in these first 11 verses? This is what Paul is doing. If we were all in on doing that, how much different would we be? Would there be a complaining tongue in the building? I hope not. I hope not. Do we edify with spiritual eyes? Last point, all in prayer. Prayers that focus on spiritual completeness. What's the end of what he is saying here? 
Verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you are going to come to me and say, can I have a reference on prayer? I want to grow in my prayer life. I am going to tell you, go here. 9 through 11. Start there. Learn to pray spiritual prayers for other people. No more, well, I'm not going to say no more. Can we please do at least a two-thirds ratio of spiritual prayers? Spiritual prayers that affect heaven, earth, and hell? That's what prayer is meant for. You want to feel closer to God? Pray. If you say, well, I don't really know what that... Look at what Paul does and start practicing and practicing and practicing that. Versus Aunt Betty prayers. You know what Aunt Betty's lemons are? Where we pray for Aunt Betty's goiter. Right? Now, Aunt Betty's goiter may really be messed up and we need to pray for it. I'm not, you hear me clearly. I'm not against praying for Aunt Betty's goiter. You're really getting irritated, aren't you? Amen. That doesn't mean it's paid for, folks. I know how that goes. Some, some, oh, look, somebody did it. Okay, Whew, I don't have to, you know. So let's keep going, keep building. Aunt Betty prayers, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but folks, how is that going to get someone in the kingdom? How is that going to build the kingdom? How's that going to edify someone? How's that going to build commitment in my relationships? You want to know how you can love me more instead of being upset with me more? Start praying for me and vice versa. Pray these prayers. Be all in on prayer. Sharing what and why you pray for people. When you walk up to somebody and and they share with you that they need prayer for something, and you say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. How, how many of you don't raise your hands? How many of you forget to pray for that person? Can I just encourage you, I learned this from a mentor of mine, pray for them right then, right there. Amen. It will revolutionize your idea of commitment and being all in. Pray for them right there and right then. Prayers that paint a picture of spiritual maturity. Verses 9-11 through 11 paint a picture of spiritual maturity. How do I pray? I'm not going to tell you the specifics. You know how you pray. The question there is for you to evaluate how do you pray. And to say, do I need to mature in my prayer life? Because if I do, I need to seek how do I do that and follow through with it. This is our statement in conclusion this morning. And I want to have us say this together like a cult. I always get weirded out when we do these kinds of things, but there is some value in it. But it does feel a little cultish, okay? But let's try to say this. You know what's really funny about that? Somebody came here. I don't remember who this was. Somebody came here and something was said. I don't know what the deal was. And they're like, they had this idea that all churches are cults. And, and so something was said that fit right in their purveyance of what a cult is. 
And, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go for, you know, go for that. And so they came back the next week and then they're like, oh, that's what you meant. Okay, you're not a cult. That's good to know. <laughs> so when I say all in, you say mind, unity, love, Christ. You ready? All in. And hopefully there's no Dixie Cups in the room. Okay. Let me close in prayer, and then we have a special presentation to show you what All In looks like this morning. I pray that you understand and that you make some changes and that you anticipate and you demand in your own life this understanding that Christ was all in. And whether it's our partnership with Him or it's our partnership with those around us, whether it's the statements and how we speak, and how we can be all in and committed and be whole in all of that, or whether it's in our prayer and our conversations with the Lord that we do not limit what we pray for, but be all in like Paul was. Father, this morning, take the Word. Let it pierce our heart. Let it divine bone from marrow. Let it transform us. Let it inform us. Let it lift us up. Challenge us. Change us. Thank you for these words, Father, and thank you that your Son was all in and fully committed to your glory and praise. Amen.